Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is August 2nd, 2022, and our first story, Trump hilariously trolls the GOP primary in Missouri by endorsing Eric. Yeah, just Eric. There are three Eric's running. It's actually kind of hilarious because two of them claimed they talked to Trump on the phone and he endorsed them both. I got no idea what he's doing, but my friends, it is primary day, so get out the vote. We also have the misery index suggesting the Democrats are going to get crushed. In our next story, Nancy Pelosi has arrived in Taiwan and it's getting really crazy. People are concerned this could escalate into major international conflict. And in our last story, an update. Apparently, the LA Times has a new column talking about how they're angry at ugly Americans moving down to Mexico and displacing their culture in some kind of great replacement. If you like the show, give us a good review. Leave us five stars. Share the show with your friends now. Let's get into that first story. Okay, so maybe this is an epic troll or maybe Donald Trump just made a mistake in an email. In my personal assessment, my personal opinion, Donald Trump just pulled an epic troll on the Missouri Senate primary, a race with three Eric's by endorsing simply Eric. I'm sorry, man. This is why I this is why I like Donald Trump. You know, he makes things fun. He makes things funny and he shakes things up. The dude knows how to push buttons. Okay, it's primary day in a bunch of states, some important ones, notably Arizona. People are losing it over Arizona governor candidate Carrie Lake because she's got questions about the 2020 election. So, of course, articles are coming out saying that people should reject her, but she's expected to win. In the meantime, in Missouri, Donald Trump endorsed three different people. Two of them came out and said they both talked to Trump on the phone, accepting his endorsement. I don't know what this is, but it's funny. It's funny. And there's ah, there's good and there's bad to it, man. You know, things are so crazy in this country right now with the culture war and things are crazy in the Indo-Pacific and the South China Sea. Then when you see a story like this, you just laugh. You laugh and people are tweeting at me saying, like, I hope Trump did this on purpose because it's meaningless, but it's funny. At the same time, here's the real news. The misery index is out and Democrats are expected to lose. This we know. 
So there's a lot of information pertaining to what's going on with the upcoming midterm elections. New data suggests that with inflation, gas prices, wages, people are suffering. And not only will Democrats lose Congress, they will lose the Senate. Now, of course, many people, I mean, we knew this, right? We knew that was the case. Okay. Well, Democrats have been improving in the polls. So it's important that we take a look at the context. New context comes out. I'll tell you, even if the news is good, you need to go out and vote today and bring three of your friends to vote with you. I don't care if you're a libertarian. I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. I will make the nonpartisan statement of if you want to win, you got to get people to go and vote. This is the big news. Now, you guys know Carrie Lake. I think she's fantastic. I don't live in Arizona. I, I appreciate her, her candor. I appreciate um, her attitude. And I think she makes really important points about illegal immigration and sending in the National Guard. Absolute respect. So I don't know much about the Democrats that are running, but I do know, do know that Carrie Lake is a good person. And I've, I've met her personally several times. And I think, I think she's legit. If you like her or if you don't, get three of your friends and go out and vote. You know what I don't like? It's primary day. I just want to stress that again. This is an important day uh, for these states. I mean, there's been many primaries and the midterms are coming up in like three months. People always say, you got to go vote. You got to go vote. And then they say, you're voting for my guy, right? And then when you say no, they get all angry. Now, I'm not going to do that. You know my opinion on this stuff. And I'll give you more of my opinion, especially as it pertains to Trump baffling the GOP by endorsing just Eric. But seriously, the path to victory lies in you calling up three of your friends and saying, meet me here. You go vote. Maybe you go grab some drinks or a pizza slice afterwards. Maybe you go for some chicken wings. Just get people out. Get them to participate. Let's read the news on what I believe. I, I'm sorry. My opinion on this is that Trump epically trolled the GOP. And it's hilarious. Before we get started. Head over to TimCast.com, become a member to directly support our work. If you like these videos, they're free. They're always free. But you being a member at TimCast.com helps me do this work. Well, we've got a series of free shows. We've got this. We've got Pop Culture Crisis and, of course, TimCast IRL. But over at TimCast.com, we've got Tales from the Inverted World. We've got the Cast Castle vlog coming up soon with a promo episode is going to be launching, I believe, next week. And then we're going to be doing behind the scenes with, you know, comedy and stuff. The goal is to up the ante and make new shows. And of course, you get the TimCast after show, uncensored. We're doing a lot. We have journalists writing. We are hiring new journalists all the time. We got a new guy coming in soon. If you believe in the work we do, TimCast.com, become a member. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the story from NBC News. Trump baffles GOP by endorsing Eric in the Missouri Senate primary, a race with three Eric's. The, Repub the Republican primary for an open Senate seat in Missouri includes former Governor Eric Greitens, State Attorney General Eric Schmidt, and little-known Eric McElroy. Here's how the Daily Mail reported it. Confusion as Trump endorses Eric in Missouri GOP Senate primary, despite that being the name of both GOP candidates, pair each claim the ex-president is talking about them in dueling statements. <clears throat> Mr. President. I just think you're a funny guy. That's it. Okay, I'm going to pause real quick. This is probably bad for the GOP. Or I, su I suppose no matter who wins, Trump is going to be like, I called it. Eric won. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's talking about, I, I assume he's talking about Eric Schmidt. I don't know. 
I suppose we can read and figure it out, but they call him a madman. Here's the statement that Donald Trump made just yesterday. In, it, in, it, in an email, he said, there is a big election in the great state of Missouri, and we must send a MAGA champion and true warrior to the U.S. Senate, someone who will fight for border security, election integrity, our military and great veterans, together with having a powerful toughness on crime and the border. We need a person who will not back down to the radical left lunatics who are destroying the, our country. I trust the great people of Missouri on this one to make up their own minds, much as they did when they gave me landslide victories in the 2016 and 2020 elections. And I am therefore proud to announce that Eric has my complete and total endorsement. The whole thing is crazy. Donald Trump is not the president and he did not win in 2020. And he's endorsing a man named Eric. But there's more than one. There are three. Daily Mail says two. In fact, there are three. I give you Ballotpedia. Republican Party primaries in Missouri 2022. You got a lot of people running. Notably, you've got Eric Greetens. This guy, he made this video where he like storms into someone's house and everybody was. People were really mad with him. Then you got Eric Schmidt and then you have Eric McElroy. I don't think anybody is familiar with Eric McElroy. I don't think Trump was saying he was endorsing him, but uh, he basically endorsed everybody. Bizarrely vague, the backing came in the form of a statement posted to, the, to Trump's social media platform, Truth Social, under the letterhead Missouri State Endorsement. The statement saw the ex-president offer up his seal of support for upcoming Senate primary. However, Trump didn't just pick one candidate to endorse. Instead, he appeared to endorse two, both of whom, Eric Reigns and Eric Schmidt, have the same first name. Making matters worse, I love this. Both candidates claimed the endorsement as meant for them, with the two each asserting they had spoken to the former head of state and were thrilled to have his support. The endorsement has since interjected an air of confusion into the hotly contested Republican race, which will be decided Tuesday. What? Okay, I, I, I'm going to say it's funny. I've been laughing all day. This could backfire. It depends on the polling. But... Donald Trump's endorsement matters. And if Trump comes out and says Eric Greetens and Eric McElroy and Eric Schmidt, he could theoretically split the vote in three. And then who knows who might end up winning? Is that his intention? A chaos vote? How is it possible that both Eric's, two Eric's, are claiming Trump endorsed them? Take a look at this. Eric Greitens says, I just had a great phone call with President Trump. I thanked him for his support. Together, we will MAGA and save America. Team Schmidt says President Donald Trump endorses Eric Schmidt for U.S. Senate. Statement from Eric Schmidt. It is truly an honor to have President Trump's endorsement in the Senate race. Now, the question is, they they both. Uh, maybe I was wrong about this. I thought it said they both claim to have talked to. Uh, both are asserting. Right, right. Both asserted they had spoken to Donald Trump. Right. That's what I read. I got to wonder. If Donald Trump actually got on the phone call with them and that's and he's just screwing with everybody. I mean, it'd be funny, right? Trump's announcement spurred a swift response from both candidates. Schmidt said that it was truly an honor to have the president's endorsement at his final pre-election rally in the St. Louis area. Schmidt, 47, told supporters he'd been endorsed by Trump and that he thanked him over the phone when he called with the news. I just I just I'm. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? 
They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Welcome to Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Here's, I, I can't imagine this was a blunder. I think it was an intentional, and I really wonder why he's doing it. Arizona is extremely important to Donald Trump's claims of election fraud. The idea that if in, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, this is Missouri. I don't understand why he's doing it, irrespective of, of Arizona. I'll get into that in a second. I don't know what his goal is with Missouri or what he really wants for it, other than maybe he's going to generate press for him, or maybe they accidentally... I think I got it. I wonder if they were planning on endorsing one of the two candidates. So they drafted the letter, but did not put the last name in and then accidentally sent it out. Maybe I'd imagine that if that was the case, it would say like Eric and then brackets would be like insert last name or something. Instead, it just says Eric. And then he spoke with both of them on the phone and apparently thanked them both. Who's lying? I don't know. I really don't know. Now, here's what I want to get into. I think what we want is um, we, we, we want to talk about the candidates that we think are good. And we want to talk about why it's so important for you to vote. Now, you guys know I don't agree with Trump. I'm uh, personally, I'm frustrated and annoyed by his constant harping on 2020 in the election. I have questions about 2020. 2000 mules, legitimate. I, I think there are concerns brought up there that are legitimate that should be raised. And we need a hard inquiry. The problem is, You have to win in order for any of that to happen. My priority is not to talk about 2020 or just to placate people who think something happened. We heard a lot of crazy stuff about servers in Germany and Sidney Powell and all that stuff. And I'm like, dude, this was hurting the Republicans. Why did the Democrats win in Georgia in the special election? Because people were convinced they couldn't win if they voted. We have to reject that mentality. Period. No matter what you think about what's going on, Carrie Lake expected to win. Well, you better go out and vote. You want Carrie Lake to go and investigate 2020? I don't care. Fine, whatever. But she has to win first, right? So my attitude is simple. What I care about, not so much 2020. I have concerns. There are stories that are written that give me pause. I don't believe the conspiracy theories like the ones about Germany and Venezuela and stuff like that. But I am open and ready to accept any inquiry they want to do. Okay. Oh, well, you got to win. My, my thing is immigration is a big problem. Carrie Lake, she's, uh, she's, she's big on solving the problem of illegal immigration. I should clarify, I, said Ill, I should say illegal immigration is a big problem. Actually, I'm a big fan of regular old immigration when it's done legally. I believe Carrie Lake is probably all down for that as well. Having people come through the country in the proper process. Newsweek reports Arizona AG blasts election fraud claims ahead of Kerry Lake's expected win. They say 
Arizona, 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 Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich has dismissed an absurd suggestion that hundreds of dead people voted in the 2020 election following an investigation. In a letter to Arizona State President, uh, Senate State State Senate President Karen Fan, who has frequently pushed the debunked claim of widespread voter fraud in the last election, Burnovich said his office's election integrity unit looked into allegations of dead voters, which were made in the heavily disputed audit from the company Cyber Ninjas. The audit, ordered by Fan, claimed that 282 individuals died before October 5th, 2020, voted in the November 3rd presidential election. Burnovich said his team spent hundreds of hours investigating the claims from Cyber Ninjas and found that only one of the 282 individuals on their list was dead at the time of the election. Okay. This, I don't care about. Um, 282 people, guys. 202, 282 people, I think, fine, look into it. I don't know if I, if, I, if I trust any of this stuff, whatever, it's fine. 282 doesn't move the needle. Okay, here's what you need to do. Don't heavily focus on this. I don't like it. I think what you need to do is win the elections, make the changes you want. And if you want these investigations, you got to control the system. How do you control the system? Donald Trump needs to be coming out, endorsing candidates directly. So like, I, I know I laughed about the baffling everybody by endorsing two people or three. Trump needs to come out and say, remember the economy under Donald Trump. It was amazing. Remember the Abraham Accords, the foreign policy leadership in North Korea. They tried to smear him over it, but he needs to come out and tell people, look, man, it was good. And I respect that. I think too many people are caught up on all the election stuff. I don't think I think it's just a waste of time. Um, I think it's a waste of time right now. If Republicans come to me and say, Tim, you know, we're going to win in November and then we're going to do audits and investigations. I say, please do it. Please do it. Prove all your claims or disprove all your claims. I just want resolution. What really bothered me about the Democrats is no resolution. Now, I know many of you believe that there is or isn't. Fine. I don't operate off of that. I say, show me the evidence and I'm happy to engage. For the time being, win the election, please. Get your friends out. Get them to vote. This primary matters. We've got a bunch of news stories that are big. Pennsylvania's expanded mail-in voting upheld by state Supreme Court, likely keeping it in place for November election. What you need to understand here is that the big news previously was that a lower court ruled mail-in voting in Pennsylvania violated the state constitution. Now, the state Supreme Court, in a five to two ruling, with two Republican justices both voting no, have said, we find no restriction in our constitution on the General Assembly's ability to create universal mail-in voting, wrote Justice Christine Donahue in the majority opinion. You know what this means? Stop. Full stop. When it comes to November, Democrats are going to be going door to door, knocking on doors, going to nursing homes, and going anywhere they need to, to encourage that vote, to fortify the election. Republicans have a harder time of this. In Pennsylvania, it is time that anybody who takes issue with this stuff, you, you need to go out and you need to, you know what? I can't believe it. How, how is it that we only have one Scott Pressler? Do you guys know Scott Pressler? First of all, he cleaned up trash. Good dude. Went around helping clean up cities. Now he's registering people to vote. Every single one of you who can, if you have time and you have the energy, go and do it. Knock on doors and ask them if they're registered to vote. When it comes to universal mail-in voting, go knock on doors and you need to do it 10 times more than Democrats do. Knock on doors and say, 
Did you fill out your mail-in voting when it comes to it? Because this is how you will win. For whatever it is you believe happened in 2020 or whatever, overwhelm the system. Get everyone to come out. Call your friends. Call your brother. Call your sister. Call your mom. Call your cousins and say, meet me here. We're getting pizza and we're voting. Make that difference. The Daily Mail. Here we go, baby. Says the misery index shows Democrats losing 30 to 40 seats in the midterms. Uh, election battlegrounds like Nevada and Ohio among the gloomiest U.S. states for inflation and jobs ranking. I want you to picture this in your minds, my friends. Right now, some people are worried about fraud and they say hope is lost. And that's why Georgia went Democrat when it should not have. But the reality is it is being reported. You are you are storming the gates. The center has broken. Charge is what you should be yelling. You should be calling your friends saying, now's our chance. The enemy is routed. Let's get three of our friends and go vote. That's the that's the path forward, man. I like Carrie Lake. I don't want to go so, so, so far as say like I would endorse or anything because it's not my position. I don't live in Arizona. I don't know what's best for the Arizonans. I can only tell you that she reached out to us. We we've had her on the show several times. She is one of the few politicians who is willing to take the craziest questions. The same is true of Marjorie Taylor Greene. The same is with Rick Santorum. I know he's not in the Senate anymore, but he spoke passionately about what he believed. I don't agree with everything. Not everybody does, but I can respect someone who's going to sit down for two and a half hours and have that conversation. Carrie Lake did it. I respect that. If you like Carrie Lake, and I know many of you do, the time is now to call up your friends and say, charge. You don't, you know, like we're getting this news. The Democrats are, are, are expected to get, you know, wiped out in the midterms. You, now's not the time to sit back and be like, we got it. Now's the time to do the opposite. Charge forward 30 to 40 seats, make it 70 seats. I'll tell you this. Do you know how many people voted for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in her district? It's like, what is it? Like 20% of her district is like 150K or something like that out of 750,000, 775,000. If every single Republican voted, they would rival this number because there are conservatives like 20 percent, a little bit less in New York. But they just don't because they're like, what's the point? If every single conservative in AOC's district started going door to door and saying we have moderate opposition in the Republican Party, just look. Now, of course, you're a lot of people saying no, they're going to laugh like one in ten. One in one in five people are going to be like, get out of here. But you must plant the tree whose shade, you know, you will not sit beneath for a society to grow great. This is what I'm saying right now to all of you. Now is the chance. The ground is fertile. The fields have been tilled and you need only bring all your friends out and get it. The Daily Mail says an unusual model for economists, the so-called misery index, bodes badly for Joe Biden's Democratic Party in the upcoming midterm elections. Based on past voting patterns, the Democrats can expect to lose 30 to 40 seats in the House. It's amazing. And also several in the Senate, according to a Bloomberg economic study. In that scenario, Democrats would lose their already weak grip on both chambers and Republicans would control Congress for the rest of Biden's term. The misery index is calculated by adding up the inflation and employment rates to create a measure of voters likely attitudes when they cast ballots on November 8th. By October, the index could have hit 12 percent, barring a spike in early 2020 at the start of the COVID-19 of COVID-19. That would be the highest level since the dragged out recession in 2011. 
Models predicting elections are far from perfect. But the misery index has been relatively successful for, for the de- uh, for, uh, successful over the decades. Other midterm election forecasts range from sweeping Republican gains to an effective wash. Still, there was a consensus in Washington that inflation at 9.1 percent and a recession, by the way, and high gas prices will hurt Democrats. Take a look at this from the Bureau of Labor Stats. Misery index, unemployment versus inflation. Oh, man. Look at that unemployment spike and look at that inflation spike. It is unprecedented. Here we go. President party rarely gains seats in midterms, in the first term especially. Over the past several decades, take a look at this. uh, Republican president, Democratic president. In 1994, we saw massive gains for the Democratic president. Then we can see, you know, this is, uh, I believe that was that was the midterm. Okay, so that's that was surprising. I thought didn't. uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have it backwards. A major loss. I was going to say, like, that's when the Republicans swept. And it was the the, what what was it? It was the contract with the American population or the, the American people or whatever. Republicans took back the Congress for the first time in like 40 years. You can see it coming. Liz Young, an investment strategist at finance firm SoFi said the index was elevated, but still way lower than in the 70s and 80s when both inflation and unemployment were high. The study was released after a glut of gloomy economic indicators. The Federal Reserve last week announced it would increase interest rates by 0.75 percent, hitting the brakes on the economy in a bid to control surging inflation. The rate hike will cause interest rates on mortgages, credit cards, and all types of loans to go up, causing monthly bill payments to soar and hurting Americans' ability to repay debts. The Commerce Department on Thursday said the U.S. economy had contracted for the second quarter in a row, meeting the classic definition of a recession, typically when employers freeze hiring or lay off staff. Well, I can tell you this. We here at TimCast are doing quite the opposite. Why? I'm, we're lucky. Um, we're, we are really lucky. No, seriously. Ad rates are down. I could feel the recession coming a long time ago. I've talked about food shortages, but we're lucky because there are people who support us at TimCast.com. And here's what we need. We need good shows. We need good content. And that's what we are hyper-focused on. Tales from the Inverted World, Pop Culture Crisis, uh, Cast Castle. A lot of people wanted Cast Castle to be free. It just didn't make any money. It wasn't sustainable. And with ad rates dropping, I was like, we're just spending money to make a show that some people like. Hey, become a member because we're going to make more and more shows. And I hope that within two or three years, we've got, we're going to have comedy specials. We're going to, we have field reporters already, but we're going to do more. We have a documentary coming out in the works right now. What is an assault weapon? Because you guys support our work, we're able to weather this storm. This is what matters. It's not about us here at TimCast. We are going to either recede, freeze hiring, or hire, depending on how we do as a business. What matters right now is that you guys vote. The misery index is big. I can feel it. Everybody else can feel it. Inflation is brutal. What you need to do if you want to turn this around is take advantage. If they're saying 30 to 40 seats, I will stress it again. Make it 60. You can share the idea with everyone. Man, you know what really breaks my heart? is that I know if if every conservative leaning individual in New York City went door to door and said, here's why I believe what I believe. Here's a pamphlet. What do you think? And just had that conversation. It would change the shape of this country. What's happened is 
we had Kimberly Klasik running in Baltimore as a Republican. And people roasted her. They were criticizing her. They were like, she's never going to win. What a waste of people's money. And I'm like, she did one of the most important things imaginable. Running in a deep blue territory, planting the seeds whose shade she knows she will not sit beneath. Why? More and more people saw what Scott Pressler did when he cleaned up the streets. More and more people heard about what people like Kimberly Klasik believe when she campaigned. Invest in these places. Now, New York, major urban centers, I don't care where you're at. People need to uh, stand up for what they believe in. I guess the idea is that it's scary. Seriously. People are worried about Antifa, violence, all that stuff. Not everybody can do it, and I don't blame everybody for not doing it. We just need one in 10. How about that? One in 10 people to be like, you know what? I can make, I can make a difference. We need organizations. We need the GOP. We need libertarian-minded people using the GOP. We need populist, America-first, nationalist Republicans. I don't like the neocons, but the Republican Party is this vehicle to go out and hand out uh, pamphlets or something. I'll tell you what I find fascinating. I get text messages periodically from individuals who won't tell me their political affiliation. I'll get, a, I'll get a text message and they're like, hey, I'm fighting to help the American worker. Will you donate? And then I'm like, which political party are you? Because that matters. Now, to be honest, what I usually ask is how many genders are there? And then they never respond. The amazing thing is they call me sometimes. I don't answer, but because uh, I don't answer for anybody. But I'd be really interested to be like, look, I've donated. The reason they call me is because I've donated to Democrats in the past, Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang, because I actually thought they were doing well. Not a big fan of Andrew Yang at this point. He's okay. You know, he's not the worst, but I wouldn't support him at this point. Tulsi Gabbard, I think, has done better calling out Biden and stuff like that. I think she's great. I think we need to speak up, win. And for all the fraud claims, do not let them discourage you. This is the crazy thing. I firmly believe that it is possible, nay likely, I'm not saying it's true, that there are Democrat activists masquerading as conservatives, sowing the fraud narrative, going around and telling everybody because they know it suppresses the vote. Don't you think it's possible? Why it is that's like, you know, you'll get someone who says, I think we need to go out and we need to vote. And then all of a sudden someone says, what's the point? And they, I'm like, why are you getting anyone, everyone down? Yo, the founding fathers thought they were going to lose. Do you know that? They didn't think they were going to win in the war for independence. They didn't care. They said, you know what, man? I'm just done. We're going to declare independence, meaning war with Britain. They thought they were going to lose. They wrote about how they were like, at least we can say we stood firm on our principles. And that's wow. And they, 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 they knew when they signed that they were putting up not just their lives and their money, but the lives of their families were being put at risk as well. And then something happened. French intervention. The French intervention, depending on who you ask, but effectively saved the, the, the war for American independence. There was war in Europe. France saw an opportunity to destabilize uh, Britain. And so they were like, we got a bunch of people who are going to help us fight. And so they went for it. We were aided by that. You may think that you can't win, but it does not matter. Now, again, I'll say it again. Look, if you're a liberal Democrat, you know, socialist or whoever's watching this, same thing goes for you as well. What I'm saying is you always must stand up for what you believe in even when you think you will lose. Now, I will say this, the people who are associated with the new right, 
whatever it is, faction, libertarian, moderate, conservatives, all of us who, who are sick and tired of the cult. I think I think we got this. I think if we if we go out and we stand firm and we say it doesn't matter, we're just going to go vote. We are going to win and it is going to be epic. It's not possible to beat the filibuster in the in the Senate and not necessarily even a good idea to uh, get do away with it. We would need six. I, I believe you need 60 votes to bypass a filibuster. And that's not possible. I don't think enough Democrat seats are up for reelection. Republicans have more seats up for reelection. So it's a risky midterm. I think if everybody on the right just says, you know what? We're going to go out and we're going to stand up for what we believe in, even if we think we'll lose, even if you think there's fraud, none of that matters. You will be surprised trying to get everybody to just stand up for themselves. You know, this is the thing about the secret ballot. You don't need to go out and question your employer. You don't need to challenge Antifa. You don't need to put your family at risk. You go in and say, keep your mouth shut and just hit that button. Now, some people might say that they don't trust the system. So overwhelm it show up in such resounding and massive numbers that there is nothing there, there will be no doubt Donald Trump got 74 million votes my 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 real belief is that the democrats did a lot they changed the rules like we saw in Pennsylvania they expanded universal mail in voting with the help of uh, establishment republicans big mistake on their part and this made it easier for democrats who already engage in grassroots activism are collectivist and organized. What you need to understand is that you too can play this game. Mail-in voting's in my mail-in voting, in my opinion, uh, heavily favors Democrats. You can go out and campaign. It's harder. You'll need a car. It's more expensive. But no one ever said life was going to be easy. And if the easy route, you know, uh, if, if, there's no shortcuts. I'll put it that way. There's that old saying. I love it. That uh, of course, of course, the shortcut is hard. Because if it was easy, it would just be the way. If, if, if the shorter path was easy, everybody would just use it. But there's a reason they avoid it. In this instance, there's a long and grueling road. There are obstacles beset on all sides. And you have to acknowledge that. You are not going to just be given your freedom. You are not just going to be given a better economy if you don't go out and do everything in your power. And you can do more than just vote. You can post on social media. You can call your friends and your family. You can knock on doors. So much more powerful. Shout it again to Scott Pressler. Be like him. This dude has done everything in his power and then some to get more voters registered. And if you look at Florida, for the first time in a long time, more Republicans registered than Democrats. So how about this? You get the Republicans a supermajority and they can roll through whatever they want. If the Republicans actually win, and I'll tell you why the primary is so important and, and people like Kerry Lake, this is when you need to win. The midterms matter, but if you get a bunch of rhinos, neocons and establishment shills, you ain't getting nothing after they do win. The opportunity is in the primaries. It is in today if you live in one of these states. So let me see if I have that. I think uh, here we go. NPR, Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri and Washington. I don't care if you're in deep blue territory, please. Go out and vote and bring your friends. These states matter. And uh, especially Michigan. You know, look, if you've got concerns about the election, okay, all right, disagree with me, tell me I'm wrong, and then go vote. Flood the system with your friends, everyone just voting, just overwhelm it with massive, getting everybody out, getting everyone encouraged to vote. And then when y'all win, 
you can do what you need to do. How about that? All right. Anyway, shout out to Trump, I guess. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. It is about to begin, or I should say it has begun. Nancy Pelosi's plane has turned north and is now heading towards Taipei, Taiwan. China, of course, is pissed. They are saber rattling something fierce, driving tanks around, making threats. But I got to be honest, I don't think anything is going to happen. I do not believe that China is going to risk destroying their already fragile economy because one U.S. official is headed towards Taiwan. It's not going to change a whole lot. Communication can happen between the U.S. and Taiwan via digital uplink. They can Zoom if they want to. And when, when did Zoom happen? Just use Skype. But China's saber rattling probably because they want to just make a point. They're not going to do anything. However, this story here and everything that's happening, there's been a lot developing. We've had a bomb threat at the airport where Nancy Pelosi is supposedly going to be landing. I think what we're seeing here is China is getting ready to take Taiwan and everyone knows it, and the U.S. knows it. And I think that's why Nancy Pelosi is headed there. Taiwan, of course, is where we source a large portion, if not the majority, of our silicon chips. We need them. And there's been a chip shortage in the past couple of years. It's why it's so hard to get cars. You go to car dealerships, and they don't have any. It's affecting everything. Many people were saying, we had, we had some super chats in, Tim Cast IRL the other night, where people were saying that, the reason Nancy Pelosi is going to Taiwan is to have a meeting with these chip makers who are setting up a production facility in Arizona. And that says to me, probably to a lot of people, and based on what we've seen already with China's actions, Taiwan will fall and it will fall soon and the U.S. will be unable to defend it. Now, there still is a real possibility that something happens triggering a military conflict. Nancy Pelosi is 82 years old. And you got to wonder why it is that she's going here right now. As I mentioned, you know, if she wanted to have a conversation with these chip manufacturers, she doesn't need to do it in person. Maybe they're concerned about security of their private conversations, Chinese interception or something like that, which is probably going to happen. Why didn't they bring Taiwanese officials to the United States instead? Why go to Taiwan? I don't know. I don't think anything will happen, but there is a fear that something could happen. And it's not China or it could be China. I'll put it this way. We have this story here. Let me, let me read this first from Newsweek. Nancy Pelosi bomb threat at Taiwan airport sparks investigation. It may be a big nothing burger. Basically what happened is a letter was received making a bomb threat. I don't know if there's any real security concern related to that, but I'm sure Taiwan is taking, taking this more seriously than, than anything else they've taken uh, any other uh, political trip in a long time. They've called back uh, soldiers. They're, they're rejecting leave. They're saying prepare for war. And there is a real fear this could be a catalyst for World War III. China, of course, as I mentioned, saber rattling, driving their tanks through the streets and through their beaches. Look at these images, man. This is crazy stuff. But I'll tell you this. I don't think China would be willing to nuke their own economy because Pelosi is visiting. But what's to stop one rogue actor from taking action, which sparks an international conflict. This is the sad reality of the world, my friends. With the Ukraine-Russia conflict right now, you need to understand there are U.S. citizens in Ukraine fighting this war. And we hear it all the time. You know, the other day we had Mark Meckler and Rick Santorum on Timcast IRL. Mark said, 
if we can use U.S. dollars to fund, you know, Ukraine and, 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 and take on a serious adversary, Russia, you know, he's for it as long as there's no U.S. boots on the ground. And my attitude is kind of like, what's the difference? What's the what's the difference? Seriously, you've got U.S. soldiers, all uh, U.S. veterans, I should say, on the ground fighting this war. And the U.S. just like, we're not touching you. We're not touching you. Yeah, but they're, they're U.S. trained resources, weapons, people on the ground. What do you think happens if some quote unquote rogue actor takes action against Nancy Pelosi? Will we get a Franz Ferdinand type situation? And why is Nancy Pelosi going here? I mean, look, I can respect it. It's a bold move asserting Taiwanese sovereignty and U.S. support for Taiwan. I can respect that. But I, I just, man, there are difficult questions when it comes to war that I don't have the answers to. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, no war, no foreign invasion, all of these things. I'm not a big fan of what the U.S. does overseas. But the reality is it's because they've not justified it to the American people. They keep the secrets and then say, we can do what we want and we're supposed to blindly support you. If the U.S. has a legitimate reason for foreign conflict, I'm interested in hearing that. But they never do have one. I don't think you could be so blind as just be like, we should allow China and Russia to just sweep across the, the planet and, and enslave other countries. I take a look at the Cold War. There's a real conversation to be had about U.S. involvement in Southeast Asia when it comes to the expansion of, of the Soviet Union. There's a real scary thought. The Soviet Union was expanding. They were, they were enslaving people, basically, with communism. The United States, for all its faults, it ain't that bad. It's actually the best, you know, it, it's, well, what, what's the saying? You know, democracy is, uh, what's, the, what's the quote? It's like, it's the, the best worst system or something that effect. The, the only, it, it's a terrible system, but it's the best one that we have. There's a bunch of people that say that. We're not, we're not legitimately a democracy. We're a constitutional republic with democratic institutions, but, but you get the point. For all the problems America has, we recognize it's the best. So far, we can probably do better, but not if we let these lunatics take over. So we're watching the Soviet Union expand and the U.S. wants to stop it. I think about this scenario, you know, having grown up uh, being I was born at the end of the Soviet era, lasted for 69 years. What would have happened if there was no U.S. pushback to the Soviets? Could the Soviets have continued to expand one day? Then the United States would be surrounded by a global Soviet empire. Sure, we can secure our borders and defend ourselves but only for so long. You look at what's going on with like North Korea or Iran, how the U.S. can sanction them. You look at and, 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 and there's an ideological difference. The U.S. says what you're doing, we don't like. So therefore, we're not going to allow goods to enter your country. That would happen to us if we were existing in a Soviet unipolar world. So here's the harsh reality. To what extent are we willing to tolerate U.S. foreign intervention? I'm not a fan of it. I think the U.S. is full of it. I think for the most part, it's it's this idea of the idea of destroying a country so that we can get cheap oil to Europe. This is the problem. You want to complain about the Soviets? Let's bring it to contemporary times. You want to complain about Chinese expansion in Africa and South America? Fine. The Belt and Road Initiative, all of this stuff, there's concerns for us. But does that justify the U.S. destroying other countries? Does this justify the U.S. involvement in Ukraine? I like, to a certain degree, the turn we've seen 
in, in, with soft power. Soft power, I think, is all right. It's not perfect. There's always going to be conflict, but I prefer soft power. That is, I go to you and I say, hey, I'm going to give you a million bucks. Let's make things, you know, work for us. It's better. It's not great. It's an, it's an intervention upon self-determination of a nation. But Russia invading Ukraine, bombs, guns, missiles, you lost the influence war. I don't think there, I, I, I just don't think there's a utopian world where we can avoid any of this stuff. I really, really don't. I think the U.S. has failed to legitimately justify what they do. I think the military industrial complex, large war machines, they, the, the, the war machine, they support this stuff for the sake of churning economic profit. This is the problem. If you want to come and convince me there's a legitimate reason for a foreign intervention, you need to do so. But they've not done it in my lifetime. So when Donald Trump was getting our troops out of the Middle East, shoring up American defenses and telling Europe, you better pay your bills. I said, thank you. Good. Peace in the Middle East, trying to bring peace to the Korean Peninsula. Good news. I don't know what Nancy Pelosi is doing. I can respect it in that it's a bold move, but I don't know that this solves anything. If they expect Taiwan to fall to China regardless, and that's why they're going to be moving silicon plants to the United States, why do this? Um, There's some other scary thoughts. Maybe it's a secret evacuation mission. Maybe that's the real reason they're doing it. Oh, it's just Nancy Pelosi coming in. Oh, it's crazy. And in reality, they're going to get Taiwanese officials out of there and executives. Maybe. They could leave if they wanted to. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. Beijing masses tanks on beaches opposite Taiwan and warns U.S. politicians they will come to no good end if they play with fire as Pelosi's jet leaves Kuala Lumpur with U.S. warships positioned off islands east coast. So I I just don't see anything happening. But again, I want a Franz Ferdinand type situation, man. It could be a single actor that can make everything go crazy. A furious Beijing today warned U.S. politicians they will come to no good end if they play with fire over Taiwan, as video emerged purportedly showing tanks lined up on the beaches opposite the island. Chilling footage shared on Chinese social network Weibo appears to show amphibious tanks on the coast of Fujian along the Taiwan Strait. Further footage shows military equipment on the move in the city of Xiamen. The unverified videos emerged amid soaring tensions between China and U.S. Uh, and U.S., with House Speaker Nancy Pelosi expected to touch down in Taipei at 2.20 p.m. GMT today. So that's um, that's happening now, basically, isn't it? I mean, they're super close. Pelosi would be the highest ranking U.S. led official to visit Taiwan since 1997. Her jet left the Malaysian capital of Kuala Lumpur on Tuesday morning, according to flight tracking website Flight Radar 24 and witnesses. Beijing earlier warned that the U.S. will pay the price if Pelosi visits Taiwan, while Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi said on Tuesday that those U.S. politicians who play with fire on the Taiwan issue will come to no good end. Moscow also weighed in and accused the U.S. of destabilizing the world by allowing Pelosi to visit Taiwan. Okay, rogue actor. Maybe there's some Chinese zealot. I don't think sentiment in Taiwan is all 100% pro-Taiwan. You've probably got some people who dissent. It's normal. What will it take for one person to do something crazy? You know, building a machine is difficult. A house of cards. You take a deck of cards, you start building it up. Delicate, difficult to pull off, could fall apart at any time. But you maintain it. One person can blow and the whole thing comes crumbling down. You flick a card at it, the whole thing comes crumbling down. 
building a machine is difficult. A single loose screw in the machine can destroy the entire thing. What I mean to say is one crazy person doing one crazy thing could be the catalyst, a butterfly effect for a major international conflict. They say amid the intensifying warnings from China over Pelosi's visit, four U.S. warships including the aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan, were positioned in the waters east of Taiwan on routine deployments. Now, this is what I'm told. It is routine. Some people think that the deployment of the Ronald Reagan and the strike group to the South China Sea is like, oh man, they're getting ready for something. And and maybe, but it is routine. They do it quite often. U.S. Navy official said the amphibious assault ship USS Tripoli was also in the area as part of a deployment to the region that started in early May from its home port of San Diego. Taipei has vowed to defend itself and dispatch its military forces in reaction to enemy threats as risk of Beijing attacking Taiwan grows. Taiwan has also made strengthening its defense a priority with regular military and civil defense drills, including uh, uh, designating air raid shelters where civilians can take cover if Beijing launches missiles at the Democratic Island. Self-governed Taiwan's 23 million people live under the constant threat of invasion by authoritarian China, which views the island as its territory and has vowed to one day seize it by force if necessary. It's going to happen. It's going to happen because all signs indicate that it will. And I'm not saying it should. Take a look at these photos. Tanks patrolling down the beaches as Chinese citizens are on the beach. It's crazy stuff, man. Look at these photos of tanks lining the streets. Further uh, footage shows military equipment on the move in the Chinese city of Xiamen. Here we go, man. Amid the intensifying warnings from China over Pelosi's visit, four U.S. ships, including the aircraft carrier USS Ronald Reagan, were positioned in the waters east of Taiwan on routine deployments. Something else is happening today. A big primary, a major primary. I don't know if this is, uh, has anything to do with it. I don't think it does. We've had many primaries. It's not the general election. If Nancy Pelosi were going to do something like this right before the general, I might think that we're looking at some kind of distraction. But I have to wonder if this really is because Ty- uh, Taiwan is expected to fall relatively soon. Joe Biden came out and he was talking about the need to build a new factory in the United States, silicon chips, indicative of the fact indicative of the fall of Taiwan. I don't believe that Joe Biden, the United States, has the wherewithal currently under its current leadership to defend Taiwan. I think China knows it. I think Russia knew it with Ukraine. I think they saw with Donald Trump being out, now is their only chance. If DeSantis or Trump gets in, it is going to be a lost opportunity for these countries. If Donald Trump wins in 2024, China will never get Taiwan. It just won't happen because Donald Trump is a madman in both the good and bad ways. And, and, and there was that viral video where Trump was speaking on the phone and he said something like he told Beijing, he told China, the CCP, if you take Taiwan, I will nuke Beijing. He told Russia, if you take Ukraine, I will nuke Moscow. And he said, maybe they don't believe it, but 5% chance, 5% chance they did. They backed off. Isn't that something? They did. Russia went nowhere near Ukraine. I mean, granted, they're in Crimea. My point is they backed off. And then it was only when Joe Biden gets in, all of this falls apart. You know, we talk about Western decline and the United States falling apart. But I got to say, my friends, it feels like it's, it's global. The people of the United States were willing to sacrifice international order and peace 
because they hate the orange man. Because the powers that be that in the United States, the corrupt elites like Nancy Pelosi could not take it that Donald Trump was the president and the American people had voted. They can't stand it. They are the better men, the elites who should be in charge of you. But under Donald Trump, his foreign policy, pretty damn good. Getting our troops out of a botched Middle Eastern incursion, trying to get our troops out of Syria, good things. Oh, I know all about the Qatar Turkey pipeline destabilizing Syria. Stupid. Unjustified. And you can talk about the deep state, the administrative state, but we need to get cheap energy into Europe because we need the European Union to have economic development to compete with China. Otherwise, China takes over. Don't you understand? Yeah, I totally do. And you failed to explain any of this properly to the American people, and they voted against you. They voted against your stupid wars, your ridiculous plans, and your failure to adequately explain. You do not get to just do whatever you want because you think you are right. And I'm talking about these deep state people who think, you know what? We can destabilize an entire region. We can bring about death and destruction because we're going to build a pipeline into Europe so we can offset the Russian Gazprom gas monopoly. At least that's the assumed reason. Considering the fact that Germany has not gotten itself off of Russian gas and found alternatives, and they're shutting down nuclear plants. These people are out of their minds. There is no justification for the wars they engage in. It all seems to be in the end profit. Because if you come to me and say, look, Tim, we're going to be building this pipeline from Qatar through Syria and Turkey into Europe because they're choking us out on gas prices. The European Union needs to develop economically faster with cheaper and more gas and access to gas. Otherwise, China as an economic bloc is going to take over and we're going to unipolar Chinese communist world. It's a bad thing, right? Yes, I agree. The only problem is what the are you doing with nuclear power? What are you doing with any of this stuff? Why aren't you developing uh, uh, drilling why aren't you expanding oil production in the United States? Donald Trump was doing that. Your reasoning makes no sense. I sit here and I read this stuff and I can tell you one thing. I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes with confidential and top secret information. And you need me to understand why you want foreign incursions and you can't do it. And now you need to understand if you can't convince the likes of me, you're not convincing the average American, and they just want to make America great again. So they vote for Donald Trump. And I say, good, y'all deserve it. Because I really do believe the goal of all of this with the foreign intervention garbage is to make money for a handful of massive corporations under the guise of, well, it's good for the American economy. Get good old American made tanks. Sure. And then we sell it to Saudi Arabia. For what reason? You've not justified it. So I tell you this, if they came out and they said definitively with real evidence, something we could really trust, which is almost impossible to do, that uh, Russia was doing something uh, untoward, I'd say, OK, let's show up our defenses. But then they come to us and they say it's untoward towards Ukraine. And I say, what does Ukraine have to do with us? Now, if they came out and said Ukraine is an ally. We are, we, are, we are seeking to court Ukraine to join the European Union. Ukraine, if they came out and said, we've been working really, really hard and Russia's making moves to, to upend our policies, I'd say, okay, I'm listening. The only issue is they don't want Ukraine joining because their economy is no good. They, look, 
You, you, we're dealing with international conflict, and you need to prove to me that our involvement in a war is worth what Ukraine would give to us. The European Union, Latvia, Estonia, NATO countries, we've expanded a great deal. At what point do you say it's enough? Are we really worried about Russia? Are we really worried that much about Ukraine? Russia's not going to gain sizable power. China is the bigger threat. Of course, we're worried about that, too. I think you've got a problem. The United States is run by an administrative state. The president has, so, has, has much less power than people realize. Donald Trump is evidence of that. But the American people still have the ability to vote and to change things. And they sacrificed global stability because they hated Trump. And the best they could do was Biden. The old world is failing. These old, the old guard, deep state, bureaucratic garbage, bureaucratic garbage is failing. And you know what? Good riddance. You deserve it because you have not inspired us. You have not built. Look, there is no unified culture in this country. And what do the elites do? They go for wokeness. That's not making things better. You want America to win? Then you champion America, but you've not done that. And that's why I don't believe any of these people are justified. I don't believe there is justification for anything they're doing with these conflicts. I believe when you look at all the evidence, they are selling us out and they are gutting this country to make a profit while the whole thing sinks. And maybe that's what Nancy Pelosi is really doing. Go to Taiwan so that you can talk about selling out our interests. I don't trust them one bit. Donald Trump, I think for all his faults, for all his problems, a lack of decorum, his naughty words and potty mouth. He really did want to make America better. And we had a great economy. And this is what I would just wish Donald Trump would do. Tell people before the pandemic, things were better than ever. The economy was roaring. Unemployment was down. America was improving. Tell them that message. Remind them of what it was like before Joe Biden came in and just burned it to the ground. We'll see where this goes. I don't think anything's going to happen. But we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. You may have seen this story that we covered on Timcast IRL, that Californians and other Americans are flooding Mexico City, and some locals want them to go home. But we have an update because there is now a column for the LA Times. The new generation of smug American expats in Mexico needs to face the truth. The truth, huh? Yeah, they don't like it very much. It's just the most ironic of ironic stories. My friends, have you ever watched that movie? I think it's the day after tomorrow where there's like this polar vortex is coming. Everything's freezing. There's waves. It's a climate change weather anomaly movie. You probably saw it. Well, there's like a funny bit where because everything's freezing up north, people in the south start fleeing across Mexico and they make a joke that thousands, you know, of illegal American immigrants are fleeing into Mexico and everybody thought it was funny. Because the story is actually that people from Mexico are fleeing into the United States. Well, it's actually not just Mexico. It's Guatemala and Honduras. But now we have this story. I'll give you the brief intro into it before reading the sentiment of those and the update from those who are outraged that smug Americans would dare move to Mexico. The story is simply put, American expats fleeing COVID restrictions decided to go to Mexico because Mexico is chill. It's affordable. It is just I mean, this is international gentrification. It's exactly what we see in cities happening internationally. Surprise, surprise. People in Mexico are upset that they're going to their favorite restaurants and they're surrounded by a bunch of gringos who are speaking English. And there was one there's one story. I think it's in here where like a guy sits down at a bar and he's like, 
you know, menu, por favor, or whatever the word for menu is. And they hand him an English menu and he's like, dude, I don't speak English. He says, no hablar inglés or however you say it. I don't know. My Spanish is garbage. Let me read a little bit about this. Then I want to show you the, 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 the column complaining about the smug Americans, because this is the actual news piece that we read on IRL. So they write, Kate Linthicum of the, of the LA Times says, Fernando Bustos Graspi was sitting with friends in a cafe when he realized that once again, they were outnumbered. Oh no, outnumbered? The reverse great replacement. Is that what's going on in Mexico? We were the only brown people, said Bustos, a 38-year-old writer and university professor. We were the only people speaking Spanish except the waiters. Mexico has long been the top foreign travel destination for Americans. It's bountiful beaches and picturesque pueblos luring tens of millions of U.S. visitors annually. But in recent years, a growing number of tourists and remote workers hailing from Brooklyn, New York, Silicon Valley and points in between have flooded the nation's capital and left a scent of new wave imperialism. The influx, which has accelerated since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, and is likely to continue as inflation rises, is transforming some of the city's most treasured neighborhoods into expat enclaves. Can I just pause for a moment? The great replacement theory. There's, depending on who you ask, they'll give you different versions of it. Typically, it's racist. It's not entirely too, you know, it depends on the context. But the idea is that great replacement is there's Americans and immigrants are being brought in, replacing them. However, it's typically used in most contexts about white people being replaced by non-white people. I'm not here to comment on that because, to be fair, I don't know too much about it other than that's the general idea. But the left goes nuts when Tucker Carlson comes out and says Democrats are bringing in immigrants to get them, you know, to give themselves votes and displace America. They say he's being anti-Semitic. What he is referring to, I don't, I don't, I think he used the terms great replacement. I'm not entirely sure. He's not referring to white people. He's referring to cultural displacement. Now, by all means, you can criticize him all day and night, fine, whatever. I don't care what you think he was talking about, whatever. My point is this. The media will criticize anyone who calls out the cultural issues pertaining to mass migration. Why is the LA Times writing about this instead of condemning it? Why are they writing a, a column criticizing expats coming to their country, enriching their, their, their culture. Why aren't they calling this some kind of Mexican great replacement theory? They're talking about them being white people. They're specifically talking about their race in this instance. Okay. They go on to say, in leafy walkable quarters such as Roma, Condesa, Centro, and Juarez, rents are soaring as Americans and other foreigners snap up houses and landlords trade long-term renters for travelers willing to pay more for Airbnb. Taquerias, corner stores, and fondas, small family-run lunch shop spots, are being replaced by Pilates studios, co-working spaces, and sleek cafes advertising oat milk lattes and avocado toast. Oh, man. <laughs> it's too good. Too good. And English, well, it's everywhere. Ringing out at supermarkets, natural wine bars, and fitness classes in the park. At Lardo, a Mediterranean restaurant where on any given night, three quarters of the tables are filled with foreigners, a Mexican man in a well-cut suit, recently took a seat at the bar, gazed at the English language menu before him, and he sighed as he handed it back, a menu in Spanish, please. Some Chilangos, as, are, as locals are known, are fed up. Recently, expletive-laced posters appeared around town. New to the city, working remotely, they read in English, you're an effing plague and the locals effing hate you leave. Come on, why won't you call out the great Mexican replacement? 
Let me tell you what's happening. In the U.S., things are too expensive. Younger people have the opportunity to work remotely. Mexico is relatively cheap, relatively. So they say, dude, I'm going to move there. Let me tell you the secret of Mexico, my friends. And I will take credit for some of this. Why? Because I've been saying for a long time, yo, Mexico is amazing. Americans have this view that Mexico is like sepia tone desert. No, for real. It's like whenever you see a movie about Mexico or like a movie where someone goes to Mexico, everything has to be in sepia tone. You know, it's like it's like beige and like reddish hue. Why? Because people think Mexico is a big desert. Bro, have you ever been to the border? Like when you go to say like Mexicali or whatever, it's not desert. It's a city. There's roads and trees and stores. I think it's hilarious that because of the media, because of movies, Americans have this view of what Mexico really is. No, I've been to Mexico City. Mexico City actually is fairly cool. It's mountainous. So it's high. It's elevated. It's amazing. The food is fantastic. It's a safe city. They got Buffalo Wild Wings, bro. Have you, go to downtown Mexico City. In fact, one of the biggest cities on the planet, actually. Beautiful and amazing. One of my favorite places ever. You know, I don't know why, but I really, really just my favorite places are uh, Madrid. Absolutely amazing experience. I just will never forget the tapas bars, the amazing vibes, cerveza, and and they give you the squid, the calamari. I just absolutely love it. And I think I might like it a lot because I actually speak a bit of Spanish, so I'm able to actually get around and function in these places. Mexico City was also just absolutely incredible. I've been there several times. It's amazing. And now Americans are starting to realize just how amazing it is. They're moving there to save money. They don't want to speak Spanish or they only speak a little bit. And the locals there are literally saying overtly racist things. Now, now, hold on. I know many people may say, Tim, Tim, no, they're just talking about, you know, like they they want their culture. Oh, I know. I know. I'm saying L.A. Times, where where where's the left media to criticize the racist Mexicans calling people a plague? Could you imagine if white English speaking people put up signs in an area where Mexicans were moving in? And they wrote the exact same thing, new to the city, working remotely. They read in Spanish. Yeah, it would be the apocalypse. The media would be would be crawling over, uh, crawling on the ground backwards, desperate to get that, that story out, screaming about the great replacement. Look at this. They say the sentiment is echoed in hundreds, echoed the hundreds of responses that poured in after a young American posted the seemingly innocuous tweet. Do yourself a favor and remote work in Mexico City. It's truly magical. That's right. It is. Please don't, read one of the kind of replies. The city is becoming more and more expensive every day in part because of people like you, and you don't even realize or care about it. Hugo Vandermer, Merwe, Merv, 31, a video game designer who grew up in Florida and Namibia and has spent the last several months working remotely for Mexico City, Montreal, and Bogota, Colombia, said he understands why locals are vexed by the growing population of digital nomads. There's a distinction between people who want to learn about a place they are in and those who just like it because it's cheap. I met a number of people who don't really care that they're in Mexico. They just care that it's cheap. Exactly. And why do you think people come to the United States? Not because it's cheap, but because the jobs pay better. There is something of benefit for them to come. So Guatemalans, Hondurans, and Mexicans will illegally cross the border. Not every single one, but ones who break the law because they're like getting a job at McDonald's here pays more than it would where I come from. And, 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 and I, I will stress, not entirely Mexicans, it's mostly Guatemalans and Hondurans right now because that's the reality. You can make 14, 15 bucks an hour. That's huge. Then you send the money back home 
where it goes a lot further. Americans are realizing the same thing. Hey, wait a minute. I'm getting paid by an American company, an American salary for my skills, and I can go live in Mexico City and work remote. I thought about doing this a while ago in Ukraine. No joke. Not going to do it now, obviously. I remember years ago when I was first starting to make YouTube videos, like consistently after I left these companies, I was like, I got friends in Ukraine. I was looking into what you need to live there, uh, and, and I wouldn't technically be working there because I'd be producing American content. The problem is like the advanced scheduling because of the, 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 the time zone and stuff like that. But I was like, the cost of an apartment, the people, the food, everything I think is so fantastic, and you'd live like a king. You'd be making, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be making American salary in, in a country where everything is relatively cheaper. Ultimately, I just didn't think it would work out. It was just a, a thought, nothing I ever actively pursued. But of course, the same is true for Mexico City. And I got to tell you, man, Mexico City is incredible. I, I can't say it enough. It is truly beautiful. The weather is amazing. They, they, it, is, it is like any other major city. Buffalo Wild Wings right there. The reason I bring that up is because there was a story about the migrant caravan coming up to the southern border. And I think it was the LA Times. They interviewed some of the migrants and they said, why are you coming? Turns out some of them had already been here and were deported. One person said, I miss my PlayStation. They want to come back. Another person said, I miss Buffalo Wild Wings. And I said, bro, Mexico has Buffalo Wild Wings. I was in Mexico City a couple of years ago and I explicit, I specifically was like, I'm going to B-dubs. And it was exactly what you'd expect. You sit down, you kind of say, I take the wings and I want the hot sauce and all that stuff. So, you know, when you hear people that are, are coming up to the United States, it's the exact same thing. There's an advantage. There's a benefit for Americans. It's cheap rent. Let me let me show you this. Here is the L.A. Times publishing the great Mexican replacement. That's what we'll call it. Column, the new generation of smug American expats in Mexico needs to face the truth. The dusty truck bounced along the narrow streets of, okay, <laughs> Yamokio, the village in the Mexican state of Zacatecas, where my father was born. It darted in front of vacant homes, slowed past the church, and finally stopped in front of the Rancho's sole corner store. There I stood alongside my dad and a group of older men. What was left of Yamokio, I'm probably not that wrong, Yamokio's population, since nearly everyone else had left for East Los Angeles and the San Fernando Valley decades earlier. We eyed the man who slowly emerged from the pickup, middle-aged, white, wearing sunglasses, a polo shirt, jeans, and a smile. He asked in broken Spanish to no one in particular whether there were any houses for sale. Everyone was so bewildered at the sight, sight of a gabacho in a tiny hamlet up in the mountains of central Mexico that we stayed silent for a bit. Then came a chorus of polite but firm no. I asked in English what he was doing so far from the U.S. I want to move here, said the man who never gave his name. It's too expensive back home. Unprompted, he went on a complaint about liberalism, about how the U.S. was a failed country, and how he wanted to spend his retirement in peace. He asked if we knew of any houses for sale in Yerez, the city to which Yamokio pertains. Nope. The man got back in his truck and rumbled off, didn't even say gracias. I love it. A white conservative middle-aged man going to Mexico and being like, it's cheaper, it's better. Let me tell you a secret. Now, this, could be, this could be not true, but my understanding is I was looking at dental work stuff because uh, you guys know Luke Rudkowski, a good friend and uh, frequent recurring co-host on Timcast IRL. He, 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 he says Mexico's the best. 
And he was telling me about when you get dental work done in Mexico, they do this thing. It's a platelet injection. So after they like they'll cut your gums and stuff because they're like, let's say you're getting like a root canal or you're getting a cavity filled or something or you're getting a crown put in. You'll have sore red gums. What they do is they take your own blood and then they, it's called some kind of like platelet treatment and they inject your blood around. Uh, maybe it sounds gross, but it makes it heal faster. It heals faster. Isn't that amazing? And apparently we only do it some places in the United States, but it's like common there. And it's like 10% of the cost. Americans start to figure out if you don't want to live here and you're not as tied to the country, there are places around the world that you can be. Right now, one thing that we're looking at is El Salvador because they went full Bitcoin. Crime is like collapsed overnight. Banking, citizen banking is 100% overnight. It's amazing. All because the government of El Salvador was like, we're going to implement cryptocurrencies. We can turn on banks for every citizen overnight. They gave every citizen 30 bucks. And then all of a sudden, this was brilliant. It was Bitcoin. It's hard currency. Well, it's not. I mean, it's just like it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's something you can have in trade. Call it whatever you want. Some people argue it's not currency. I don't want to get into it. But all of a sudden, people had the means to go buy stuff. And then everyone, the economy just exploded. So things are going really well. And they've got people moving into what they call Bitcoin Beach. And so I'm like, hey, man, I'm down. El Salvador is a great investment right now. They're, they're doing such brilliant work to improve the country. And it is free. To a certain degree, I don't agree with everything. I think I think on guns, they're like more restrictive. I'm not entirely sure. But there's great opportunity to invest in Central America, man. That's the crazy thing. You got the Central Americans trying to come here. We're trying to go there. Here we go. He says, although the encounter happened 22 years ago. Oh, I can remember that ugly American like it happened yesterday in my front yard. How do, does the L.A. Times not have a mirror to insult a man as an ugly American? Because he was trying to find a better life for himself and invest in your community. Despicable. Anytime even my own friends talk about relocating to a foreign country because the U.S. is just too much, the image of that guy's smug countenance and his expectation that a dying town would welcome always pops into my mind. Why wouldn't they? No, no, seriously, why not? Dude, when I see a Mexican family move near me, because I've lived in a bunch of different places, I don't go, oh, God, how dare they move here? I say, cool. I live next to, uh, when I was in New York, Hasidic Jews. Was I going like, oh, they're squirrely? No, I was like, cool. And when I'd see my neighbor, I'd be like, tell me more. I'd love to learn about you, your life. I remember one day I was coming home on my moped. And there was a guy in the full, you know, uh, outfit that they wear. They have a traditional wear with the big hat. And it was Saturday. And he was like, hey, my friend, he's like, can you do me a favor and press the elevator button for me? And I was like, I got you, buddy. And we walked in. He got in the elevator. I said, let me know which floor. And I pressed the button for him. And he's like, have a good one, man. I was like, no problem. I thought that was so cool because I'm all about like legitimate neighborly exploration and diversity, like real diversity, like diversity of opinion. But where we get along, we recognize the constitution of this nation is the supreme law of the land. Outside of that, be you, man. I thought it was really cool. This guy, it was the Sabbath. And so they're very, they're very strict. And he said, we don't, we don't press buttons. And I was like, let me help you. I mean, that made me feel good. I was like, this guy's got a way of life that he believes in and I respect. I don't do that. And he asked me for help and it was so easy. It's like the shopping cart test. You know, the shopping cart test, they say that whether or not a person puts a shopping cart back is indicative of whether a civilization is going to survive. There's no reward for doing it. It's a minor inconvenience you know it's the right thing to do. 
So when I'm like 10 feet from my neighbor and he asks and I'm like, minor inconvenience, right thing to do. No, you know, super simple, no reward. But it was it, it feels good to, to, to help people out. When I see stuff like this and they're angry that a guy's moving in, they're like, we don't want your kind around here. I'm like, I'm not a fan of that. Not in the least bit. Now, I will agree to a certain extent. If you live in an area and then all of a sudden you get like, let's say you live in a small town in the UK, 800 Somali migrants are placed by the government in your town, completely disrupting and displacing your way of life. That I understand. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you have a small village and a family moves in, this one guy, and they're like, say they're Somali or whatever, and they're like, you know, we appreciate your hospitality. I'd say like, cool, man, right on. There is a question, you know, because this is a thing that happened in the UK. They're, they're, I think what happened was they moved like 800 people from Somalia or something into this one small town of like 400 overnight that destroys a community. I can understand why they'd, be, they'd not be happy with that. I can understand why people in Mexico would be like my favorite restaurant. No one here speaks my language anymore. I feel unwelcome. I can understand why they'd be angry. I don't like the idea that a single individual is trying to move in and, and, and you eject him and you be a jerk to him. I have no problem if, if, you know, one day I go to my local restaurant and there is a Mexican family enjoying a meal. It means nothing to me. In fact, I'm like, hey, how's it going? New, new the neighborhood? How's it going? I have no problem if everybody in the neighborhood, you know, overnight was, you know, mestizo, Central American or whatever. What I care about is, do they believe in our values? Will they protect what made this place great? That's the question. We have a constitution. I don't care if a million migrants move in to my city, so long as they believe in the constitution and they accept what make this makes this country great and they want to be a part of what we have built. When they come in and say, we're going to vote against your laws and we're going to disrupt, okay, that's a problem. I don't, I don't like that. What I find here to be, you know, outside of everything, What's hilarious is the L.A. Times not realizing, publishing both of these articles, that they are exactly what they've been complaining about the whole time. This is an article from the Mexican Great Replacement Theory. Yet first, where's the left to be like, oh, no, don't say these things. It's so wrong. Spare me. It shows the moral hypocrisy. Me, I go to Mexico City. I try to speak Spanish. I'm not going to go to Mexico and be like, you speak English? I don't want to. I'm here. Oh, I say, hola, mi amigo. Um, uh, donde uh, taqueria? I don't know. My Spanish is terrible. You know, mi español es muy malo. Malo? How do you pronounce it? I don't know. I don't really speak Spanish all that much. But when I go to Spain, when I go to Mexico, I try to be a guest. To be a guest. I, so I'm very polite. I try to speak as much as I can properly. I don't go there and, and sit down and be like, do you speak English? Because I want to order in English. No, in Mexico, man. I sit down and say, ah, Buffalo Wild Wings, Pollo, uh, how do you say eight? Ocho. Ocho. I don't know how to say wings. So ocho. That's eight, right? And then, um, you know, I look at the menu and I'll, I'll, I'll try and do what I can to be accommodating to them because they welcome us into their space. That's what I think people should do. So here's what I take an issue with. These people coming to Mexico, they're not coming illegally. They're going there legally to, to, to be tourists, to be expats. Legally, legally. It's fine. The problem we have in the United States that is not the same here is that you have people coming here illegally, spitting on our laws, spitting on our way of life because they want something from us. I'm not okay with that. I am. I believe everyone in the world should be allowed to immigrate to the United States legally. And that means it won't all happen at once. It'll be through a process and we'll make sure that everyone's doing well. 
But here we have two stories. One, where when you criticize illegal immigration, they call you a racist. And two, when legal immigration happens from America to Mexico, they complain about it and the media, nothing to say about it. Moral hypocrisy. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then.